don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Storytimes. I'm Michelle. And I'm Kirsten. And this is my true crime episode. Uh, The case of Sister Kathy Sesnick and Joyce Malecki, part two. So if you've been waiting for it, here it is. Heck yeah. I'm ready to find out what happens. This is going to be a long one. Let's get on with it. So, yeah, let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. Um, I do want to correct something that I said from the last episode, though, because I said that the engagement gift was left in the car. It was never found. Oh, okay. But I thought it was in the car, but no, it was it- never found. But I just want to make that clear that that was my bad and a mistake on my part. Okay. That's okay. So, where we left off last is where Sister Kathy's student was telling, well, her name is also Kathy, but with a K, was telling her... Um, about the abuse she was going with. Go, blah, blah, blah. I can't talk. It's okay. It's going on. Ah, yeah. About the abuse going on with Father Maskell. There we go. And honestly, I don't want to call him Father Maskell anymore because he's a piece of shit. So he's gross. So we're gonna start with another girl named Lillian. Um, in her junior year, she was called to Father Maskell's office. Um. I did write Father Maskell, so I might say it a couple times, but I'm just going to try to call him Maskell. Maskell, piece of shit, bitch. Anyway. Asshole. So, he wanted her to type notes for the other girls, like, for their psychological counseling. So, Mm -hmm. he had, like, files on all this shit. Mm -hmm. Um, He always gave her a Coke at every session. He poured one for her right at the beginning. A Coke? Yep, a Coke. Coca-Cola? She said that pretty much everything she was typing was sexual. She said it included incest, bestiality, Yikes. girls having group sex, and venereal disease. Did I forget to say trigger warning? Trigger warning. <laughs> What's venereal disease? A disease that is contracted and transmitted by sexual contact caused by microorganisms that survive on the skin or mucous membranes or that are transmitted via semen, vaginal secretions, or blood during intercourse. Good job. <laughs> Anyways, so Lillian was very naive, and she didn't really understand what was going on, and she was made to feel important, and was basically groomed by Maskell. Um, She came to the conclusion that there was something in the coke that he gave her before every session, Mm -hmm. because she has a lot of missing time with her sessions with Maskell, so Hmm. Um, she said he did ink ink blot tests on her and used to hypnotize her. So now we're going to get into Jane Roe. Not okay. Jane Doe, Jane Roe. Jane This is Roe. another girl. Okay. Okay. Um, she suffered abuse at the hands of Maskell as well. And this is a trigger warning. Just so you guys know, trigger warning for... This whole episode just needs a trigger yeah, warning. Yeah, sexual assault. Yeah, rape, things like that. So if you don't want to listen to that, I suggest skipping like maybe a minute or so cast this 
So Maskell told her he wasn't supposed to touch the students, but the situation seemed necessary. Oh. Um, Dr. Christian Richter was a gynecologist that Maskell would take girls to, and he was basically partnered with him. Mm. So this gynecologist, like, knew what he was doing and was, like, on You're his side? Find out. Oh, God. Jane Rowe was required to do douches three times a week, which, by the way, women, You're not even supposed to do. You're not even supposed to do douches at Unless all. Unless you have, like, an infection that's recommended by your doctor. Yeah, you're not supposed that to do them. That shit cleans itself. Yep, don't do it. Anyways, Maskell told her that she could do them in his office. Um, no. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll help you. I'll help you. No, you're disgusting. Yeah, and then my next line is, he said he could help her with them. Um, Maskell also told her parents that he thought she had schizophrenia and basically, um, convinced them of that. Probably just to, like, cover it up. Like, mm -hmm. if she says anything about him, she's... She ended up prescribed on a strong medication. One night, she was having a sleepover with her friend, and Maskell called and told her father that he was going to take him out for, like, a Halloween run. This was on Halloween, Mm -hmm. I believe. So, they took him into a wooded area, and Maskell told Jane Rowe's friend to get out of the car, and then, trigger warning, Jane Rowe was raped by two police officers. That's gross. Mm-hmm. By the police officers. hmm Oh, and like I said before, Dr. Richter was a gynecologist that was partnered with Maskell, and trigger warning again, Maskell would rape Jane Rowe while Richter also was involved in the sexual abuse. Um, but Dr. Richter denied all allegations. Hmm. Gross. Um, and Jane Rowe also said that one way Maskell would get her into his office was telling the nurse to call her. So the nurse would call her to the nurse's office and then say, oh, Father Maskell needs you. So then he would go, she would go there. Mm -hmm. So like. So he wasn't like calling her to his office every so often. People would start to wonder. Yeah. Even though he did that all the time anyways. Right. Now we're going to go back to Jane Doe. Okay. Okay. So Jane Doe went back to class to get a book that she thought she forgot. Why did I say book like that? I don't know. So this is after her and Sister Kathy were talking. Right? Where we left off with the last episode. Well, the last episode, it was Kathy, not Jane Doe. Oh. It was a different student. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're right. Um. Sister Kathy was standing there in front of the class, and, like, the uh, classroom is empty. So, Sister Kathy started a conversation with her. Like, she asked, how are you liking Keo? Mm-hmm. And Jane Doe said, I don't like the school, and I don't want to talk about it. Mm. Um, Sister Kathy was like, all right, well, if you don't want to talk about it, how about I just ask the questions, and I talk, and you shake your head. So, Sister Kathy asked if anyone was making her do something that she didn't want to do. And she shook her head, yes. Kathy asked, is it the priest? And Jane Doe looked at her and shook her head, yes. Mm. Kathy said she thought as much and she was going to help her. And Kathy said that she was going to take care of this. I want you to go home and I want you to have a wonderful summer. And Jane Doe said, okay, and left. She's like, if you tell me to go home, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, she probably wants to get out of there as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. So... We're going back to Kathy, the student that we ended the last episode on, okay? And last time she was called into Maskell's office, she was in class with Sister Kathy and um, 
her sister, not sister Kathy's sister, but the student's sister Mm -hmm. was in the classroom with her. And she looked at sister Kathy and Kathy looked at her and they made like eye contact. Mm -hmm. It's like, so sister Kathy told Maskell that she was leaving because it was after school. Mm -hmm. So basically she like saved her from Mm -hmm. another rape. Assault. Yeah. So, um, we're going to talk about Cube, Father Mm -hmm. Cube. Mm -hmm. Um, he basically said they were soulmates and best friends. To who? Kathy. Sister Kathy. Sister Kathy. Gotcha. They would write letters back and forth, and Kathy was coming up on the end of her temporary vows. He was to be ordained within the year. And he said to her, he feels like he was going to jump off a cliff, but he was going to do it anyway. And he was going to say no to both, and he wanted her to be his wife. Sister Kathy. Yep. To be his wife. Yep, because they were such good friends. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he loved her. Mm-hmm. So, she turned him down. But, that's is, one little tidbit. Is this guy, like, a good guy? Or no? Um, We'll talk more about it later. Okay. So. I thought we talked about him before, but I couldn't We did, remember. but it was very brief. He was there on the night that Kathy disappeared, and Sister Russell called. And he, he's the one who went to the mm-hmm. apartment. Yep. And then they went for a walk. And then he found Sister Kathy's car. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. We'll talk so a little bit suspicious. more. So he's suspicious. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. That was my ring. So, um, when the students returned after the summer of 1969... Kathy was no longer at the school. Um, and unfortunately, Jane Doe got called into the office again. Um, Maskell was upset that someone confronted him about the abuse he- that was going on. <laughs> and he said to her, I think we need to reevaluate who the real whore is in this room. It's fucking you, bitch. Right. <laughs> this makes me mad. It makes me mad, too. When he was done, he told her to... Get herself together and get out of here. You just remember who has the whoring mouth in this room. Fucking you, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Talking a lot of shit for a piece of shit. So, um, two days before Kathy disappeared, her student Kathy and a friend of hers went to visit Sister Kathy at her apartment and they talked shortly. Uh, Sister Cassie, Cassie? Kathy Cassie. asked how things were. And this is when she was teaching at the public school. She wasn't teaching at Keo anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, she was hesitant to answer, but Sister Kathy told her it was going to be taken care of and not to worry. And there was actually another woman with her boyfriend who visited Kathy the night before she disappeared. And I don't think it, she was necessarily a woman yet. I think she was... Anyways. So she told Kathy about the abuse with Maskell too. So she was a student. Mm-hmm. And uh, while this was happening... Um, Maskell and Magnus, the other priest, walked into the apartment without knocking. They just walked in there. Mm. And, uh, Sister Kathy sent the girl and her boyfriend out of the apartment. Um, and it was said that Sister Russell was there that night that that happened. When, um, Magnus and Maskell walked into the room? Yes. So, the next day, Maskell called the girl into the office and told her if she ever said anything that he would kill both her and her boyfriend and their families. What the fuck? And later that day, Kathy disappeared. What the fuck? Okay, I know who did it. So, Kathy and Father Coob were supposed to get together the day after she disappeared, and she told him there was something serious she wanted to talk to him about. 
and he thinks that she was going to tell him about the girls being abused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So, Jane Doe was called into Maskell's office again, and he was absolutely frantic. And he said, I know you're close with Sister Kathy, and I know that she is missing, but I know where she is. Yeah. I bet you fucking do. He asked her if she wanted him to take her to Sister Kathy. So they left in a car. He drives her into a barren area. And he took her to Sister Kathy's dead body. Wait, okay. Who, 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 who? Father Maskell. Jane Doe. Okay. Yeah. Took oh, Jane sorry. Doe. Oh, sorry. I didn't mention. Father Maskell took Jane Doe. Sorry. Okay. I said she was called into Maskell's office, but I didn't say specifically it was him. Well, you said Jane Doe before. I was just yeah. keeping it straight in my head. So... Jane Doe and Father Maskell leave in the car, and he drives her into this barren area, and you did not react at all, but he took her to Sister Kathy's dead body. Yeah. 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 She ran to her body, mm-hmm. and um, she was trying to wipe the maggots off Sister Kathy's face, and she was, like, holding her and stuff. Mm-hmm. I had already, when you said that, I had already known he fucking did it. Because he's a piece of fucking well, shit see, anyway. In the autopsy later, it is stated that there were maggots internally in the trachea and in the mouth because there was a huge debate about the maggots. And people were trying to make Jane Doe uncredible. Okay. Why? Because of the maggots? Yeah. And then because one of the detectives claimed there were no maggots on Kathy's body. Oh. Yep. And he was also a close friend of Maskell's. So was he covering for him? Mm. Trying to make her uncredible? Mm. Yeah. That's true. So, Father Maskell also said he leaned down real close, because that's what he liked to do, evidently. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you see what happens when you say bad things about people? What's going to happen to you, bitch? Maskell, yeah. not Jane Doe. Yeah. The, aba- the abass. The abuse became worse, obviously. Um, they used Kathy's death to keep Jane Doe quiet, and... Basically, everyone thinks she was killed because she was going to talk about what was going on at the school, and certain people were afraid they were going to be outed. If you think you're going to be outed, don't you think that it's a wrong thing for you to be doing? If you're so afraid that people are going to find out that you have to kill somebody, mm-hmm. don't you think that it's very wrong? So he obviously I mean, if knows you're doing, doing all this other sh- Well, if you're doing all this other shit, does it really matter? That's what I'm saying. He knows it's wrong. Yeah, but he doesn't care. He's just doing more. And he's a fucking priest i know excuse my language but he's a fucking priest nobody said he didn't but okay continue she was scared to come out because she thought the same thing would happen to her jane doe Mm -hmm. she was scared i I mean i would be too and father maskell didn't just abuse the girls so he abused this boy his name is charles and he let him drink and do drugs at his rectory he was an altar boy. Mm-hmm. So. Oh. Um. Anyways, one day this mascot walked into this boy's classroom. Nobody was in there for some reason. Um, he grabbed him by his hair and basically pulled him out of the seat. Like the guy said, he thought he was gonna pull his hair out. Mm-hmm. He said that he needed to see him in the rectory and told him if he heard anything about him talking about Father Maskell again. Like, Father Maskell said, if I hear you talking anything about me again, he would make sure that he didn't graduate. Mm. He made his life a living hell. He took him off the basketball team and the baseball team. So, Charles is like, well, I'm going to tell my mom. Mm-hmm. And she confronted the archdiocese. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Maskell was then transferred to Keogh after that happened. And that was in 1967. Hmm. 
So that's what got Father Maskell transferred from, I think this was St. Clement's. To Keough. Yep. So was this before everything that happened with, um, I can't remember what year you said, with Jane Doe? Well, this was 1967. That's two years before Kathy disappeared okay. and was murdered. So. Okay. Now we're and that June. was at Keough School. Right. When she was murdered, she was serving at the public school. But the Jane Doe was at Keough. Was at Keough. Yes. All that stuff was happening at Keough. Yes. And that first year before the summer, mm-hmm. before she told her to go home and have a good summer, that was at yep. Keough. Yep. And that was the end of her teaching there. And then she moved to the, the, public, the public school. school. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump to 1992 now. Big jump. So Jane Doe says all the stories she had been pushing down all these years started bubbling back up and she started to remember these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so she went to her pastor, Rick Woy, and told him about everything that happened back at Keough. Um, so the archdiocese wanted Jane to, Jane Doe, to make a statement to get Maskell removed. Um, so in December of 1992, the archdiocese told Jane Doe she would need to have other women to corroborate her story. Um, she brought other names of other abusers and they didn't want that. They said they wanted the names of the other girls. Other girls that were being abused? Yep. But Jane Doe didn't want to expose the other girls' names if they didn't want involvement or didn't want to fight. Mm-hmm. So That's understandable. Yeah. Um, so basically, the lawyer told her like they couldn't do anything with the names that she had of the abusers. Um, and Jane Doe's husband, Mike, fired the lawyer. Because it was a lawyer with the Catholic Church, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted to pray with her pastor, Rick, and he basically told her she should get another lawyer. Instead of praying? Yeah. He's like, you need to get a lawyer. What the heck? What yep. the heck are these people? I know. So they hired another set of lawyers outside of the church. Well, it sounds like this church, this community. Well, the it? Archdiocese of Baltimore is like over everything. Mm-hmm. All the Catholic right. schools in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So. Um, early 1993, they sent, so the Archdiocese sent Jane Doe another letter telling her she needed cooperation for her story or else they can't do anything about Maskell. Um, and at this time, Father Maskell spent six months in an institution of living, in the institution of living, sorry, October 1992 to sometime in 1993. Uh, he came back with a quote-unquote clear bill, and yes, I'm doing bunny Bunny ears, air quotes. I always call them bunny ears. Bunny ears. <laughs> and they assigned him to St. Augustine's instead of Q. Um, he went to a psychologist there and he told the psychologist he wasn't sent there for having depression. He was sent there for having sex with a 14-year-old. Like, how are they going to correct that? What the heck? <laughs> yeah. And in 1994 through around 1995, sometime in between there, the, uh, Institute of Living basically said they wouldn't accept any more patients from the Catholic Church unless they knew the whole situation and they had all the files because they wouldn't send them all the files. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder why. Yeah, I know, right? It sounds like they're trying to hide something. Right. And the Archdiocese stonewalled anyone from any info about Father Maskell. So he was really trying to like hide everything that this guy did mm-hmm. because he didn't want himself to look bad. Yep. But you're making yourself look way more bad, dude. Mm-hmm. So, um... This is later on in uh, the story. Jane Doe asked her friend of, oh gosh, sorry. Jane Doe asked a friend of hers to meet with her. So this is like 
just one day out of the blue when she's remembering all this stuff she is scared she like wants to reach out to people and mm-hmm. her friend pointed to kathy and it sparked her memory um about being led to kathy's body mm-hmm. oh yeah so the next day she called like a family meeting with all of her family because she wanted to tell them about all the abuse that she's been through she really wanted to open up to people and the fam and her family is who she could trust so Mm-hmm. she told them that she killed kathy sesnick because she confided in her and then she ended up dead so she felt like she killed her like it was her fault mm-hmm. like not physically killed but she yeah. died because of her right that's sad um so jane doe reported what she remembered about being led to kathy's body and the police acted like they didn't believe her because freaking mask was friends with all the police officers well that and it's also 1990 Years later. to 1993 mm-hmm and this happened in 1969. That's true. So, but the police did reopen the investigation after Jane Doe came forward. So, well, that's good. Yeah. Um, and then, back to the archdiocese. They basically said, since there was no cooperation to Jane Doe's story, they couldn't do anything about Maskell. What the fuck ever, dude? Yeah. They just don't want to. I know. They don't want to look bad, so... So, they don't want to look into the bad shit that he's fucking doing. He, mm-hmm. They don't give a shit about nope. what's going on with Jane Doe or all of the other people that he's sexually assaulted. Yep, they don't care. They only care about themselves. So, Jane Doe's support system and her family helped her in trying to investigate and find others that suffered the same abuse and answers. Mm-hmm. So, in 1993, her family sent out postcards anonymously once they got the alumni list saying if they believed anything inappropriate happened called jane doe's lawyer call jane doe's lawyer sorry um so and they also put like an ad in the paper too Mm -hmm. if you know of any like sexual assault that happened at keogh high school in this like these amount of years or whatever then please call yeah and uh they waited for responses so jane roe not jane doe jane roe jane roe she called and named maskell right off the bat Mm. like so they got 40 to 50 people that contacted them about this and that's only the people that contacted him who knows how many people there really were that were like oh i don't want to relive that part of my life exactly they all talked about maskell Mm -hmm. they spent a whole year interviewing these women and getting their stories if he don't get punished for the shit that he's done i'm gonna be highly pissed Okay. Highly pissed. Okay. Because there's so much evidence. It's not like a hidden thing. They all know he's fucking doing it. Mm-hmm. This guy, I am so mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even over yet. I told you you would be mad. I just have a feeling he's... Just continue, because I'm okay. already pissed off. <laughs> so, obviously, he was doing terrible things to these girls. Um, there were also multiple women who said... That there were strangers brought in the room to do things to them as well. Mm-hmm. So, it's multiple girls. So, Jane Doe and Jane Rowe started a lawsuit in 1994 against Maskell. The school sisters of Notre Dame, which are the nuns who oversaw the school, the archdiocese, and the gynecologist, Christian Richter. And the freaking police officers and everybody else involved. <laughs> yeah. So, also, obviously, since they filed a suit, Jane Doe comes out about the abuse by Maskell and his involvement in Kathy's murder. And at this time, 
once Jane Doe and Jane Roe come out about this, the Archdiocese tries to get a hold of Charles, the kid who mm-hmm. Maskell was like trying to get. If you say anything else, you know, right? You I won't let you graduate. Mm-hmm. So, um, they got a hold of him and he met with them. It was two canon lawyers plus a priest, which is Francis Maluli. His name's hard to say. It looks hard. So this meeting lasted two to two and a half hours, and they were talking about Father Maskell. Like, they were acting like they really wanted information, and they were super interested mm-hmm. in what he was saying. And at the end, they said, well, what do you want? Do you want a boat? Mm. And he said, I didn't ask you to come here to meet. Like, you guys asked me, right. so why are you asking what I want? And also, in the documentary, he says, I have three boats, so I don't even need a boat. <laughs> And so he says to them, I'll tell you what I would like to see. Just do what's right. Yeah, right. That's not going to fucking happen. No. And then they were like, oh, well, hope to see you again. Talk to you later. Pieces of shits, bro. And this was the archdiocese? Yep. Oh, Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. That's the side of me being disgusted. Mm-hmm. So in 1994, when Jane Doe came forward, Mr. Story went to a detective that was off the record. So Mr. Story is a man that worked at a cemetery. Hmm. Um, the detective that was off the record calls himself Deep Throat. I do not know why he calls what himself in the that. the fuck? But. That's he wa- gross. He wants to stay private due to the safety of himself and his family, but why would you call why yourself that? Why would you that? pick the name Deep Throat? I have no fucking That's clue. That's so inappropriate. It very, very much is. Yes. So, Mr. Story comes out and says in 1990, Maskell went to Holy Cross Cemetery. And he told Mr. Story to dig a hole 10 by 20 feet like 10 feet wide 20 feet long yeah or deep like 10 feet wide 20 feet long gotcha that's and a big obviously that's, deep enough that yeah, you know what i mean that's a big fucking hole yeah that's like as big as this fucking room well maskell threw boxes and files and documents and told him to bury it and put grass over it like it's never been dug up so he's hiding all this all, all the evidence so while Maskell was getting more documents out of the van, Mr. Story jumped down into the the pit mm-hmm. to read some of these documents. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, a couple months later, he was fired. What the hell? Yep. And the detective said that Story told him about all the records buried in the cemetery. Yeah. If I was fired for some shit like this, I'd be like, yeah, guess what? This guy, this right. piece of shit guy over there in that plot of land, <laughs> dig it up. Yeah. There's some shit that are down there that you're going to want to find. Well, that's why he went to the detective. Mm-hmm. So, um, Deep Throat said there wasn't a lot of facts in the case, and it was a lot of he said, she said. Of course, because it's everybody's word against mm-hmm. maskles. And then I said, but with all these girls coming forward, how could this not be true? Right. There's 40 to 50. or And more. And, and more people more. that aren't even coming forward, I'm sure. And they're all like, oh, they're lying. Mm-hmm. These 40 to 50 people, they're lying. Yep. Against this one guy. So no one's... Well, handful of guys. No one's doing anything at this point. <sighs> yep. So, January 2015, Tom Nugent, which is a journalist. I don't know if I've mentioned him before. I can't remember. But he's a journalist that did, like, a big article about Kathy's murder and mm-hmm. stuff. So he had a meeting with Deep Throat in 2015. That... I'm I sorry. Know. I know it's I not know. supposed to be funny, but... It's gross. I can't take it seriously when you say deep throat. He had a meeting with deep throat. <laughs> that sounds like he is not having the kind of meeting that we're thinking of. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my gosh. So deep throat 
said he interviewed <laughs> i know it's not supposed to be funny but i just I know can't but it. it's like why would you pick that name okay we're just gonna say he said okay he interviewed over a hundred of the girls himself that said a hundred yeah he said he interviewed over a hundred girls himself that were talking about the abuse at mm-hmm. kia yeah but he wanted to focus on the cases he could use, like Maskell touching these girls and things like that. So if he just said something to you, it may not be viable for a case, you know? Right, right. it's he said, she said, there is no evidence. Right. And I mean... To the court anyways. Yeah, yeah. So they took the case to Sharon May, and he said that Sharon May killed the case. Like okay? she got rid of it? Like she killed it. And I'll explain here in a second. Okay. Sharon May was the division chief of the sexual offense at the state attorney's office. And every time there was a case involving a priest, Sharon May ran interference for the church. And this is what Deep Throat said about her. Mm-hmm. Um, which interference means to intervene on someone's behalf, typically so as to protect them from distraction or annoyance. So basically saying she would intervene for the church. And he said you would ask for a warrant and she would say, I don't know. So they dug up those files from Holy Cross Cemetery. Yeah, they fucking better. They they fucking better read all of them too. Every single bit. Sharon of them. May said there was nothing found that Maskell was molesting these kids. They all named him. But Deep Throat said there were pictures and profiles on different girls, like pictures, like pornographic material that he would have taken. Maskell. Yep. He said, Deep Throat said they also had everything to arrest Maskell right then and there. Well, yeah. Obviously. But if they didn't use the information within 48 hours, then it was done. They couldn't use it anymore. Why? Which I don't understand. I don't know. I feel like he was just... I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand that part. That don't make sense. Sharon May, on the other hand, said they didn't find any pornographic material or the pictures Deep Throat was talking about. Of course she said that because she's trying to interfere mm-hmm. and keep everybody with the church yeah. safe and in the little bubble well you'll have to watch the the docuseries to really get a feel for her because part of me feels like some of the stuff she's saying is true but then it's like some of the other stuff it's like i don't know i mean yeah it is he's he said she said but it's mm-hmm. he said she said and she said it's 40 to 100 girls yeah. against maskell well they had a subpoena to get things from maskell's office and when they went there he was gone and so was <laughs> some of his stuff she also said that the Catholic Church was very powerful, and they didn't have enough to go forward, but she did believe the victim's stories. The statement of the victim just isn't enough, is what she said. That's all it is. You're the victim. Mm-hmm. Your statement is is what happened. Yeah. Of course he's not going to own up to it. Right. So she also said they did an investigation, and she did not get cooperation from the Catholic Church, and there was no pressure from the church to not do an investigation. Like, okay, whatever. So, who the fuck is lying? Everybody. They're all fucking lying, (laughs) apparently. That's my question. Who's lying? So, people didn't believe the women about the allegations against Maskell, and some of them were very afraid to come out due to the ridicule of the public. Well, yeah. That would would be hard. Yeah. Now we're getting to the case. the, the, The trial. Okay. It's not even really a trial. It's really just like a court hearing. Yeah. So, the dispositions from the church lawyers lasted six days. Um, so, the question, so that's basically the questions from the defendant's lawyers, like the archdiocese and mm-hmm. the 
the church, all of that. All those people that they were suing, they mm-hmm. get to ask uh, Jane Doe and Jane Roe all these questions on the stand. Okay. In front of everybody. Yep. So they asked like very intense questions and basically tried to make both of them feel stupid. Oh my gosh. And they were trying to make them relive their traumas and to get them to crack under the pressure, basically. So at this time that this church hearing's going on, Father Maskell disappeared from his church. Probably because he knows he fucking did something wrong and he's about to get caught. Mm-hmm. And Maskell's attorneys were asked where he was and he told them that he was living in Ireland at this time. Yeah. He just up and left, went to Ireland. Mm-hmm. And at this time, a fellow psychologist that went to psychology school with him went to visit him, and she said he looked physically sick. Hmm. She asked him how he could do those things to those girls, and do you think this is moral? He said he thought it was moral at the time because he was, quote, protecting the children. From what? What were you protecting the children from? What the children need to be protected from is you. <laughs> They're already going to this great, amazing Catholic school that everybody wants to get into. Right. No. But you're trying to protect them from what? Nothing. He's just trying to make up an excuse. That's what I'm saying. Right. So we're going to go back to the trial now. I just wanted to say, if you wanted to know where he was, evidently he was in Ireland. And he was sick. Sick in the head. Yep. So the case basically referred back to recovered memories. Mm -hmm. Because Jane Doe, you know, she said she started remembering this stuff Mm -hmm. after all these years of pushing it down. But the concept of recovered memories was just coming into light in the 80s. Mm. And in the 90s, people became way more skeptical about this stuff. And they would say your brain can make these memories up, and they were incredible. Mm. So Jane was interviewed by... Jane Doe, sorry. Jane Doe or Jane Roe? Jane Doe. Okay. I'm going to back that up. So Jane was interviewed by one psychologist, and he did believe her about the abuse. I mean... When somebody talks about that stuff, like, you can tell if they're being They're not making it up for attention. Right. Like, nobody wants to be Well, I'm not saying at. that nobody has ever made anything up about sexual abuse for attention. Right. But I am saying you can tell when people are being sincere and when they're not. Absolutely. I would never say, oh, you're making that up. If somebody was telling me that, right. even if they were lying, I would never say, oh, you're making that up. Right. Like, all these people that are trying to make them feel stupid about all the stuff that they went through. Yeah. No, like, this is definitely true, but I'm just saying there are some yeah, yeah. some people out there that are just, like, doing it not only for attention, but to get back at other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they brought in Paul McHugh, a big shot in the psychology world. He claimed on the stand that these were made-up allegations and figments of the women's imagination. He was always on the church's side. Oh, of course. Apparently everybody's on the church's side. Yep. McHugh never even interviewed any of these women at all. And he just said that they were lying. Yep. And he denied any requests for interviews for the docu-series. <sighs> so, Jane Rowe and Jane Doe went to testify against John Maskell. Absolutely. Oh, not John. Joseph. Sorry. McHugh. No. Joseph Maskell. They went to testify against Joseph Maskell. Oh, why'd you put John? I didn't mean to. Okay. Um, Jane Rowe and Jane Doe's lawyers told them both to look at the judge while answering the lawyer's questions because they were absolutely terrified and it would make it easier if they were to just look at the judge while the lawyers were questioning them 
and they could just answer the question. So the lawyers were like asking them questions and they, they were would on the reply stand. to the judge basically. Yeah. They would like look at the judge and tell the judge what they wouldn't look they at the answered. lawyers at all. They just looked at the judge the whole time. Gotcha. So then the lawyers requested she look at them while being questioned. Both of them look at them while being questioned. The lawyer said that? Yeah. Like while they were on the stand. Yeah. That's so kind of gross. They knew they were intimidating them, obviously. Yeah. And Jane Doe said she was just tired of it and fed up at this point. I would be too. And Jane Rowe said they were asking her questions pertaining to the acts and stuff. So I'm sure they were doing that with Jane Doe as well. Yeah. But Jane Rowe and Jane Doe, they were both sick of this intimidation and looked them dead in the eyes like a couple of badasses. That's right, bitch. Yeah. They were like, all right. Take that. You want to intimidate us? Mm. They just watch this. I just imagine them slowly turning their heads. Dead stare like this. You want to know what the fuck he did to me? Yeah. I'll exactly. tell you, and I'll tell you in your fucking soul. Exactly. Sorry, I have a potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, the police didn't believe Jane Doe about seeing Kathy Sesnick's body, mm-hmm. right? Um, but Jane Doe and Jane Rose lawyers thought if they could get this case to trial and get a jury, they could have a very good chance of getting Father Maskell put away for good. Good. Let's see it then. Unfortunately, they never got that far. Of course not. Judge Hillary Kaplan ruled the case did not meet criteria for waiving the three-year statute of limitations for such suits. So, you only have three years after being abused oh. to report this. And it's been like 25 years, mm-hmm. 30 years. And also, I think now it is, you have to report at 25 years, years old. Oh, Like, if you had abuse as a child, you have to report it by 25 years old or it is no longer not credible. like... Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of weird. If this makes you feel better, Maskell died in 2001. A little bit. But. Not all the way. Not, it, it doesn't make me, me feel better. I yeah. wish he would have sat in prison and rotted for his whole life. Yeah, me from too. From 1969 until whenever he decided to die. So, in September of 2013, the justice for Catherine Sesnick and Joyce Malecki Page was made so women could get together. And, um like figure out details of kathy's case and joyce's case Mm -hmm. because they're supposed to be connected Mm -hmm. at least people think they are okay so Gemma and abby are two of kathy's students at keogh and you see them throughout this whole docu-series okay okay wait what question yeah what happened to joyce malicki that was who we talked about first right no she was another girl four days after kathy disappeared she got murdered oh yeah and her car was left the keys and the ignition and all that oh yeah okay okay we'll go into her a little bit more here in a bit okay okay so Gemma and abby two of kathy's students at keogh have done so much work and many of the people on the page are still trying to investigate the murders so they believe that sister kathy got into something bad or something that she wasn't supposed to know and her murder was a cover-up like knowing about what maskell was doing yep and so he killed her. So, Jane Rowe has now revealed herself as Teresa Lancaster. And she also became a lawyer when she was 49 because she wanted to help people. Hmm. Just because of all the things that happened to her. I thought Jane Rowe was her name. Like, I thought Jane Doe and oh, Jane no. Rowe. It just happened to be that her name was Jane Rowe. No. It was just that, okay, I get it. I get it. She was um, also anonymous while the trial was going on and stuff. But now, today, she has revealed herself as Teresa Lancaster. Gotcha. And we will now reveal Jane Doe as Jean Hargaden Weiner. Okay. So. So, Teresa and Jean. Mm-hmm. Teresa put a post on this Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So, at this time, 
when the Facebook page was made, I think Teresa outed herself on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jane Doe had outed herself quite yet, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you her name. Okay. Um, Jean has never been a part of the Facebook page. Um, she's scared that she'll be ridiculed. Like, she's just, what yeah. happened to her before, like, the case never went anywhere. Right. So, like, she doesn't want to come out about it anymore. I, I understand that. And she also said she doesn't want anything to do with Brother Bob. And remember, we talked about him. Brother Bob. In part one. No. Gosh. I mean, yes, I remember. He was I the don't. one that would, like, get really crazy with her while doing bad stuff to her. Oh, like, Father Maskell brought him in. Mm-hmm. And was, like, And she stuff. wasn't sure that Brother Bob was his actual name, all that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Brother Bob told Jean that he killed Kathy Sesnick. He didn't want to, but she was going to go to the police. So, Brother Bob said this. Mm-hmm. That he killed Kathy. Mm-hmm. I don't think Father Maskell killed Kathy. I think he had someone else do it, so he yeah, couldn't get in trouble. Yeah, I think he hired somebody to mm-hmm. do it, or or um, blackmailed them into doing it. Not, mm-hmm. not necessarily hired, but... Brother Bob told Jean that it was her fault, and it should have been her. To die? Yep. To be murdered? Yep. What the hell? She said that she is more terrified of Brother Bob than she ever was of Joseph Maskell. Really? She doesn't remember what he looks like or who he is. Well, you said that he was more violent with her. Mm -hmm. Jean said the most she can remember about Brother Bob is that Kathy was confiding in him about the abuse at Keogh and how she was going to bring it to light. He hit her, and he didn't mean to kill her. Mm. But she says the only thing that she can remember about him is he has markings on his abdomen, like a birthmark and a mole and a small incision. She said the birthmark and the mole was on the right side, I think, and the small incision was on the left. That's all she can remember. Mm -hmm. So who is Brother Bob? Let's find out. Let's find out. I'm ready to find out. So Gemma, one of the girls on the Facebook page, Mm -hmm. one of the ladies, not the girls, um, she got a call one night and was told by a woman that my uncle killed Sister Kathy. Whoa. Her name was Debbie Young. And her uncle's name was Edgar Davidson, or Ed is what he goes by. She said her mother got drunk one night and told her about her uncle Ed. Oh. She said something about bloody clothes and a trunk. And the next day, Debbie confronted her and her mom said, oh, I never said that. You know what they say? They say drunken lies are sober truths. Mm. So things that you Mm. might not say while you were... mm. (laughs) Things that you might not say while you were sober, you might say while you're drunk. Right. So. So, she said one day she went home early from work, and this is, um, oh, sorry. I read the next line. I got ahead of myself. So, Debbie connected with her uncle's first wife, and she told Debbie her account of the night that Sister Kathy went missing. Mm -hmm. She said one day she went home early from work, and she said she opened the mail, and everything is late, and nothing was getting paid. Right? (laughs) She confronted Ed about the bills and him not working. And she said she started to pack her suitcase, and Ed got violent with her and started to choke her. Debbie? Not Debbie. Debbie's sister. Debbie's aunt. Debbie's aunt. Gosh. Her mom's sister. Yes. Yes. And Ed said to her, do you realize that I could kill you right now and tell myself that someone else did it? What the heck? 
at the time she was pregnant and decided to stay with ed that's just what they did back then mm, yeah so then she said one another day ed came home and he was wearing a white shirt and it was covered in blood she asked him what happened and he said he got in a fist fight with his boss he said he told his boss he needed his money and he refused to give it to him hmm. so that sunday they were hanging out at home and the news came on about sister kathy she heard the tv say november 7th and she started to put it all together <laughs> november 7th is the night before he came home with all the blood on him mm. she said ed was rocking in his chair smirking and kind of laughing and he said, by the time they find her body, it's going to be winter time. And didn't they find her body like a month January. later? Two oh, months. Two months later, yeah. I think it was January. Ed came home and said he stopped and got some new tires and brought home the bill. But they didn't have a lot of money back then. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty upset that he bought new tires. But this day, to this day, she wonders if he got the tires changed because of the tire tracks. Oh, like, yeah. To cover up more evidence. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, Ed had been caught before about trying to lure girls from a... Actually, it wasn't a high school. It was a middle school. Sorry. It's okay. And got arrested in November 1971, also using a stolen car. Hmm. Okay. And that was at Rockland Middle School. Okay. And this school is right next to Kathy's apartment. Hmm. Like I said before, and correcting myself at the beginning of the episode, the engagement gift has never been found. But a year after Kathy disappeared, Ed gave his wife a necklace. Actually, it says a year, but I feel like they said a month. I can't remember. It's a year or a month. Somewhere in between. Sometime after she disappeared. Yes. He gave his wife a, ne- a necklace. Mm-hmm. It had a green stone in it. It was the shape of a wedding bell. Wasn't it a, 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 um, wasn't the gift a wedding gift? Mm-hmm. Mm. The necklace was examined by a gemologist and was said to be about 10 to $15 in the 60s to the 70s. So that would have been expensive for yeah. Kathy. She was on a teacher's salary. Yeah. Um, the metals that were used to make the necklace are what they were using back in the 60s. Mm. Later it was found out that the stone was her sister's husband's birthstone. So the woman that she was going to give the gift to, the engagement gift to, was her had her husband's birthstone in mm-hmm. it. Gotcha. And evidently, from the docu series, Kathy really liked her sister's husband. She thought he would always be there for her. Like she was really like praised really him and really liked him. Mm-hmm. So, so also in August 1994, there was a call from an anonymous person into the news station, and they said that they knew where Kathy's rosary was. Mm. Ed's ex-wife, which is the lady that said all that stuff mm-hmm. about him coming home with the bloody shirt and all that, said that two detectives showed up to her door with a the tape. They had her listen to it, and at first the voice was disguised, but it became clear once they were speaking normally that it was Ed. Mm. And the Ed, doc- Ed called into the news station and said that he knew. We'll see. We'll see. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I can't wait. So. The docu-series did an interview with Edgar Davidson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ed. So, they handed him a picture, and they're like, do you recognize this man? And he's like, masculine. Mm-hmm. And then they, he had, he said he recognized him, but he never met him. <laughs> he also recognized Kathy's photo. Mm-hmm. And he told them that he thought, like he said, the police thought he committed the murder. Mm-hmm. He said they asked him lots of questions about Kathy and her murder. 
and he said he had no idea what happened to her yep the interview mm-hmm. then asks your wife said you came home with blood on your shirt is that true he said i don't know the interviewer then asks your first wife is she an honest person he says yes okay he said he does remember having blood on his shirt that night and he quote hit his hand not got in a fight air quotes gotten in in a fight with his boss mm-hmm. but he hit his hand he said he doesn't remember how he hit his hand well and then he said he did call into the news station to tell them about her rosary and the case mm-hmm. he said the case had sister kathy's name on it mm-hmm. then the interviewer says did you know someone that had Kathy's sister Kathy's rosary case? And Ed said no. And the interviewer then asked, were you making up the information? And Ed said yes. What? And he said at the time he was just dumb and stupid. But then the interviewer asked, did you like let your wife believe you were involved with the murder? And Ed said, yeah, I let her believe that. He says he didn't kill Sister Kathy, and he doesn't have any information about the murder, and he didn't do it. This is so backwards. He said the necklace didn't look familiar to him at all, and his wife's birthstone was red, not green. Not green. That was in the necklace. And he doesn't have the slightest idea as to why he would buy her something with a green birthstone. Probably because he didn't buy it. he said he drove with two feet. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. That's important. That's important. He drove with two feet? Just keep that in your head. How do you drive with two feet? Don't know, but just keep it in your head. I'm confused, though. So he called into the news station. And lied. And lied. Giving false information. He gave the false... What he says is Apparently is false information. information. And then he tells the interviewers he made it all up. And it was... He made his wife believe. He let his wife believe he he was involved in the murder. Why would you... Why? He was already a sick person, obviously, because he was beating her and choking her and shit. I just think he just doesn't know what's going on in his head. He looked kind of senile, not gonna lie. He... It sounds like he's senile. But I'm just saying, maybe he's just trying to cover it up. Maybe he's acting like he's senile, but he's actually not. You never know. I'm... It's so confusing. I'm so... This guy is He said he drove with two feet. Do not forget that. I won't forget. He drove with two feet. It's there in my head. Okay. Okay. So, another woman comes forward and said she thought her uncle had something to do with Kathy's murder. Okay. Her name was Sharon Schmidt. Okay. And so, basically, she said that her uncle said he killed a woman and put her behind a shop. Okay. Her uncle, Billy Schmidt, his apartment was on the floor underneath Kathy's. So, literally, so Kathy's apartment is at the top of the floor. You walk down the steps and his apartment's right there. Gotcha. Um, so Barbara, Sharon's mother, they called her on the phone and she said that she always felt like one or two of her family members had something to do with Kathy's murder. So this is Sharon's mom. Okay. Okay. Uh, Barbara said that her husband was never a drinker, but he became one. And she said that she thinks Kathy's murder weighed on his conscience. Okay. And that's why he started drinking. I, I mean, yeah. She thinks that Billy... Her husband, Ronald, so her husband's name is Ronald, the guy that became a drinker, and that is also Sharon's father. Okay. Okay. So, Billy was Ronald's brother. Sharon's uncle. Sharon's uncle is Billy. Yes. Ronald is her father. Okay. Okay. 
she thinks that Billy called Ronnie to help him. Okay. Okay. And he's, or sorry, Barbara said that Billy was kind and gentle, but he was like kind of strange. Okay. Billy was also gay and his father did not approve. I don't know why I put that in there. This was in like the 70s. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't. So he was already having a hard time. Yeah. So, he used to talk about Kathy and how beautiful and nice she was. So, they obviously knew each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Kathy was found behind the Schmidt business. Mm. But when they showed the map, it was, like, behind it, but, like, farther behind it. It wasn't, like, directly behind the business. Right. It was, like, out in the woods behind the business. Behind it, yeah. So, Barbara said her husband worked a night shift and he came home with blood all over him and all over his hands. She asked him where he had been, and he said, a bar fight. Okay. Doesn't that sound similar to something else? Mm-hmm. A fist fight with your boss? A mm. bar fight? A bar fight. She said he was the perfect father and husband, but after Kathy died, he started drinking and doing drugs. That would make you... I think I feel like killing somebody would make you go insane mm-hmm. and do stuff like that. And that was Ronald. Ronald. Mm-hmm. The husband. Yes. So, Bill which is the uncle, became mm-hmm. a hermit after Kathy's death. Okay. He would talk about Kathy's death all the time. Um, this guy, Skippy, was a friend of Bill's, and they were thought to be lovers. But nothing ever came of, came of it because everybody hid that back then. So yeah. they didn't want people to know if they were, if they were. Mm-hmm. So Skippy and Bill were obsessed with the Catholic Church, and they dressed up as a priest and a pregnant nun, and they paraded the streets of Baltimore. Oh, so, Bill would keep talking about this woman in the attic where he lived. Mm-hmm. And one day, Barbara just got tired of it. She's, like, tired of him talking about this woman in the attic. There's no woman in the attic is what she's thinking, right? So, she walked up to the attic and there was a mannequin with a nun's outfit and a habit on. What the heck? And Bill would say she was after him and would talk to him, etc. Like, different like it was like a that. real person? Yeah. And after Kathy was murdered three or four months later, Bill tried to commit suicide. Hmm. He would call Barbara every time. Because they were actually really good friends. hmm So he took 49 sleeping pills and drank alcohol. Yikes. He died at 42 years old. Yikes. And Skippy fell off the face of the earth. Like nowhere to be found. Nothing. She had never heard from anything from him again. What the heck? So Ronnie, the husband... Once said while arguing with her mother, this is what Sharon said, mm-hmm. um, you know why I drink? Because I killed a woman. Like I said before. But listen, listen. What if this, I don't know. I sit here and think, they said Joyce Malecki's case is tied to Kathy, so what if one of these people killed That's Kathy and one say. of these people killed Joyce? Yes. That's what I was going to say. Mm. That's that's what's going through my brain right now. Mm-hmm. What if the other senile guy, mm-hmm. I forget his name, Ed, Ed, what if he killed Kathy? But yeah, and he gave the necklace to his wife. But also, why was Bill talking about this nun in the attic? Mm. Yeah. So are they all connected somehow? They have to be. Is one of them brother Bob? Is one of them brother Bob? I'm just saying. Robert. Robert. Who's Bob? Robert? Isn't oh. one of them's named Robert? No. Where'd I get Robert? Ronnie. Ronnie. 
Okay. What was the uncle's name? Bill. Bill. Or William was his full name. I don't know where I got Robert. So, Ronnie's son, which is Sharon's brother, said that he was there that night. Oh. That Kathy disappeared. He was in Kathy's apartment. Hmm. So, Bill evidently said, go back to my apartment for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it had been a long time, so he's like, okay, I'm going to go look for my Uncle Bill. Because right. what kid wouldn't be like, it's been a while, like, I think like, I'm going to go check. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And who, what kid isn't nosy? Right. Like, so, Bill rushed him back to his apartment and shut Kathy's apartment door. Hmm. Something was going on. He said he heard Bill call Skippy, and they both went to Kathy's apartment. Well, he's still in Bill's apartment, okay? Mm-hmm. He said they came down the stairs with a rolled-up blanket or a rug, and they told him they would load it up in the car and be right back. I bet there was a body in the rug. <laughs> well, they went to pick up their other brother, Bobby. 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 Brother Bobby. So his uncle Bobby took him in a twenty-two behind his grandma's house back in the woods, and they were shooting the gun to keep... Um, this kid occupied. Mm-hmm. Oh, his name is Brian. Sorry. I put that at the very end. I don't know why I didn't put that at the beginning. Brian. The kid's name was Brian. All these all these names. It's so confusing, isn't sound it? There's so Billy many. Billy and Bobby and Robert. There's not even a Robert. Well, they're older names. Yeah. But here's my theory. Let me, let me pause for a second. Here's my theory. Did Billy get the name Brother Bob from his brother Brian? bobby he's like "Ooh, my brother's name is bobby why don't i use the name bob mm, oh you see what i'm saying like, like he was trying to cover himself up yeah and if people started to I'm catch saying? on they were like maybe they'll think it's my brother not me well i wasn't thinking that i was just thinking he was trying to think of a name that wasn't his and he thought bob because of his brother bob could it be bob though i don't know could it have been actually bob i don't think could so. his name actually I be think brother he... bob maybe i don't know but if just listen to the rest okay, of the you know story. What I, you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I, I I don't, you're if saying. you listen to the rest of it, I don't think you... I think you'll realize that he wasn't really involved. He was just there to distract the kid. Gotcha. He wasn't at the apartment, remember? It was just Bill and Skippy. Mm. It wasn't Bob. Also, if Ed had her necklace... And was he, he Skippy? supposedly... Was he Skippy? Was he Skippy? Because what I'm thinking this whole time... Joyce went missing. Mm-hmm. Could one of them have killed her? Yes. Mm-hmm. But if Ed had her necklace and everything, mm-hmm. how did they also kill her? That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Ed Skippy. Yes. Billy's Bob. Yes. They were lovers, right? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's we it. Figured we it figured out. it out. That's it. Allegedly. <laughs> that's, Allegedly. That's what I think. <laughs> but yeah. That just all clicked in my head. Yes. Okay. So anyways, they were trying to keep... His brother, Bobby, was trying to keep Brian occupied, shooting Mm -hmm. the gun in the woods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So he said he looked back and he saw Skippy and Bill pull out the rug and carry it away into the woods. Skippy and Bill, or Ed and and Bob. Yes. At least that's what we think. That's what we think. Bill said if he told anybody, he would beat him to death and hurt him really bad. Hmm. Yeah. Beat him to death and hurt him really bad. Yep, that's what bill said to brian the kid oh yeah not to skippy he said it to brian to the child yeah because he witnessed everything that just happened Mm -hmm. like you better keep your mouth shut Mm -hmm. so now we're going to talk about 
Marilyn Sesnick, which is Kathy's sister. Okay. So, she said Kathy always made her feel special, and she, Kathy was six years older than Marilyn. Okay. She said that she would always play pranks on her sister, Kathy, but Kathy would never get her back. Hmm. Like, she just, she, she was, was just, just like a tender-hearted. Yeah. Mm. And Kathy always told her that she loved her unconditionally. So That's nice. She sounds like she was a good sister. Mm-hmm. Marilyn stayed quiet for the sake of her parents, but still wanted to know who killed her sister. One day, she was cleaning out her mother's apartment, and they found articles from Kathy's murder. Mm-hmm. Her mother had saved them all, but never even told her about it. So, she saved the articles from Kathy's murder. She saved the articles from the 1990s when Jane Doe and Jane Roe came out. This, this saved is everything. their mom. Yes. This is Marilyn's mom. Yeah, their mom. Mm-hmm. So... Marilyn didn't even know Maskell's name until after her mother died. She didn't know anything about it, which I don't... I think her mother tried to hide it from her. She had never seen these articles before. Hmm. Um, I mean, I guess if you're, like, trying to shield your children from, yeah. like, the reality of right. the world, I can get that. So, Marilyn said when they went to Kathy... Or, went to Kathy's apartment to get her things, um, Sister Russell was sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. And her mother was asking Sister Russell for Kathy's things, and she said, Marilyn said, she distinctly remembered Russell saying, I can't help you. I don't know where anything is right now. Hmm. So, I don't know. She That's seemed, kinda... like, out of it. Yeah. After Kathy died, Sister Russell did want a new life and left the convent. That would be really traumatic. She still refused to talk to anyone about Kathy and what happened to Kia. Um, so, one of Russell's friends from Kia called Kat or call, dang it, one of Russell's friends from Kia called Russell to let her know that Maskell died. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't apparently she wasn't supposed to tell anybody, but she called her to let her know. Mm-hmm. I think she was hoping that Sister Russell would give some sort of information. Mm-hmm. But her only response was, he went to his grave with his secret. Yep. That, those are like the worst cases. When yep. like, you don't know what happens. And the only people that know what happens for died. real died. And yeah. they won't confess it. So two days after Maskell passed, Sister Russell passed from cancer. Oh, yikes. So. Two days? Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. Um, hold on. So basically... Nobody that, anybody that was there the night that Kathy disappeared, gone. Besides Pete. Pete. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get more into Jerry Coob. Father Coob. Father Coob. So, and this, this was the priest that, was, that showed up to the apartment the night she went yep. missing. Okay. So, Marilyn said, Kathy did speak of Jerry saying, he will always be in my life and I really care about Jerry. Jerry said it took him 10 years to recover from her death, and he wanted to start over, so he moved to Minnesota. Then he came back, and he had two kids with his current wife. Okay. So he left the convent and everything. He Mm -hmm. was done. I would, too. So Gemma and Abby, the two people in these docuseries, and the people running the Facebook page, Mm -hmm. um, they took Coob out to the apartments to hear his story, because they interview all these people. They do so much. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. And... To hear about his take on what happened the night Kathy disappeared. And they said he had an emotional catharsis. Like he broke down. Yeah, I think so. So, 
Well, he also let them know that in September of 1969, Kathy told him that they were declining the experiment. So the experiment that she was doing, how she was living in an apartment outside the convent and she was teaching at a public school, they were declining it and ending it. Hmm. She had to go back to the convent or she had to leave. And she had to give an answer by December 31st. She died before then. So. Hmm. But Tom Nugent, the journalist, said that he would take everything Coop says as a gigantic boulder of salt. Saying, like, he does not believe anything he said. Hmm. He also said that Detective Bannon's last statement to him was, Tom, we got close to Coob, and we were ready to break in. And a church lawyer stepped in and chewed the police department brass out royally. And from the day those lawyers showed up, we were pulled off Coob, and you couldn't go near him anymore. Hmm. Interesting. He says he does not believe anything Coob says at all. So they, they just don't believe him. Well, for yeah, why? Tom doesn't believe him. He just doesn't. Hmm. So, Father Coob said the police questioned him a lot after Kathy's death. But he says that him and Pete were together all night. So, what was said was they went to a movie and then they went out to dinner. Okay. But nobody was there to corroborate that story except for the two of them together. Right. So, Coob said that him and Pete drove from Anna. Anna. Annapolis. Yep. Annapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't spit it out. But in an interview in one of the news articles from earlier, mm -hmm. Pete said that he heard the news and drove from Beltsville. Not so that Annapolis. would mean they weren't together. Mm. So Pete and Coob took a polygraph test and it didn't show any deception though. Interesting. So the interviewer then s said that they tried to call Pete because he's basically off the grid. Mm -hmm. Like they, nobody's been able to get a hold of him this whole time. They don't know where he is. He literally just disappeared. Mm -hmm. um, they called Pete, and the phone hung up or disconnected or something. But then Sister Kathy's sister, Marilyn, called Pete instead. And when she mentioned Jerry's name on the phone, she did get a hold of him. But when she mentioned Jerry's name on the phone, Father Coob, he repeated the same story over and over again that he's always said. They went to a movie. They went to dinner. <laughs> and she said that he literally kept repeating the story. What movie did they go see? What I restaurant did they go to? That I don't be... think the restaurant was ever told, but the movie I think was. I don't remember what movie. Well, it was. I'm just saying, like, that would know, be better. That would be to help the investigation. Right. Was that movie playing at that theater that night? You know. Right. So or did they just make it up? Basically, no one in the apartment that night is available for questioning. Sister Russell's dead. And Kathy those are the was... only people that were around the night she went missing. Yep, Kathy was murdered. Pete is gone, so all there's left is Coop. Mm-hmm. And he's, they can only no hear the story way. from his side. Yeah. So, Coop was apparently repeatedly questioned about his relationship with Kathy. And because, why does Sister Russell call him instead of the police? Yeah. And there was a letter from Kathy to Coop only a few days before the nun vanished, evidently. It says, My dearest Jerry... If ever I should leave you as playing on the radio, I'm all curled up in bed. My period has finally arrived ten days late, so you might say I'm moody. My heart aches so for you. It goes on to outline the young woman's struggle with her relationship. I must wait on you, your time and your need, even more than I had before. I think I can begin to live with that more easily now than I did two months ago, just loving you within myself. 
I must tell you, I want you within me. I want to have your children. But it's never proven that this came from Kathy. Mm-hmm. Coob said that it was in her handwriting. Mm-hmm. He turned it over to the police, I'm pretty sure. But we'll never know. So investigators say that Coob broke down and told him that he was sleeping with Kathy. But later, he claims that was never true. Their relationship was just platonic. It was just a very close friendship. So he said both. He said that he was sleeping with her. Well, the investigator said, said true. that he broke down and said he was sleeping with Kathy. Okay. The investigator said that. Okay. He said that wasn't true. Oh, Coob said that he never did that. Yes. He never said that. Okay, okay. Um, And then Coob, in this documentary, said that the detective handed him her vagina wrapped up in newspaper. What the fuck? Yeah, he just says that and it's like, mm, okay, I don't believe that. Like cut off of her body? Yeah, like how? It would have to be cut off of her body if it was in a newspaper. Right? I don't think that's true. I don't believe that at all. You would think so that, that would makes be something think... that they noticed whenever they found her body. But it was, wasn't it like kind it, of tore up by animals? No. Oh, it wasn't? Just maggots. Oh, maggots. Hmm. No. That's it. Like, no. I don't believe that. Not even for a fucking no, second. No, I don't, I don't believe that. They, w- they definitely would have noticed that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's... So we're going to talk about Gross. Detective Gary Childs, which is the guy that is trying to work Kathy's case now. Okay. So he said that he was never told that Coob had any complaints about his interviews. So never heard about the vagina wrapped in newspaper or anything. Oh. And he said that how could that even be possible? <laughs> Basically the same as us. I mean, yeah. He said that Maskell was questioned and thought to be a suspect. For sure. Oh, for sure. And that... Maskell wouldn't talk about the allegations of abuse towards the girls at Keo. Um, Maskell tried to say he had nothing to do with Kathy's murder, and he also denied showing Jean Kathy's body. So Maskell's like, nope, 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 nope. Didn't do any of it. Didn't do any of it. I'm a priest. I'm godly. Mm -hmm. And in this interview on the docuseries, the detective said, let's make this clear. No one is cleared by us that are now working on this case. So basically saying that everyone that's working on the case now no one's cleared by them. No one's innocent. Hmm. Like, they... Ha- so, anyways, let me just continue. He said they haven't given up on anything, and they're not ruling out anyone. Um, he said that they also had an eyewitness of a male driving Kathy's car, and it appeared Sister Kathy was trying to exit the vehicle on the passenger side. Maskell? Or... I don't think Maskell killed her. That's true. Was it I Brother Bob? I think he got somebody else. Was it Ed? So, the twig, or the small branch that was found in the car, mm-hmm. when they found her car, mm-hmm. was consistent with where the body was found. Okay. So, the suspect potentially drove Kathy's car back to her apartment, because there's no other way that it would have gotten back. Right. So, investigators believed that the person who was driving potentially used two feet to drive Kathy's car. Do you How- remember what I said? Yes. Do you remember what Ed I said? Ed drove with two feet. Mm. But how do they know that? So how there was mud on the out? brake pedal, but mm-hmm. no mud on the driving pedal. Because oh. remember, her tires were covered in mud. Yeah. Right? But why would only one of his feet have mud on it? Exactly. So like the pedals, if one has mud on it and one doesn't, right. that can lead them to think that it was a person that used drove two feet. That's okay. I get it. Okay. 
and that they also found DNA on a cigarette at the crime scene. Whose DNA? Don't know. They didn't test the DNA? They're still investigating. They can't say anything that they have found this far. Okay. Um, But also, the interviewer, I want to go back to Ed. In the docuseries, he's like, do you drive with two feet? And Ed's like, I don't know what that has to do with Sister Kathy. And they're like, well, they said that the person that killed Sister Kathy could have possibly driven with two feet. And he said, yeah, I drive with two feet. So, but he could have clearly said no and lied about it, but he said yes. Well, he's probably thinking that... Or is he lying to get the attention? I don't know. That's the thing. You know what I'm saying? Why would he admit to that if they think that the person who killed her... he's caught up. ...drive with two feet, why would he admit to that? Why would he call in the radio station and give false information? And then say he was lying about it. I don't know. I'm not him. He is senile so it could possibly be linked to the person that committed this murder obviously the mm-hmm. dna on the cigarette and then he says he can't comment on anything that the interviewees didn't know he basically said like okay well you guys already told me that you knew that so that's why i was giving you this information right i can't give you any information that you don't know mm-hmm. you know yeah they don't want to give out information it's still an ongoing investigation mm-hmm. but he did say that some of the things that the interviewer brought up were definitely interesting and he wanted to relook into a lot of those things so it kind of refreshed things for him Mm -hmm. and he wanted to do interviews with people again go over evidence etc and he said that hopefully one day they will be able to solve this case hopefully so Marilyn, we're going back to Marilyn for a minute okay found a letter in the mailbox that was from kathy okay she immediately called her father who worked at the post office at the time and he said it was sent out after Kathy died. Mm. He told her to stay there and don't open it because it could be evidence. This is true. And she said she expected a policeman to come, but it was just someone in normal clothes. She said it had never been released because it was considered evidence. She doesn't even know what this letter says. She said she, after her parents died, she went to update the contact info at the police department. She asked, like, is there anything new? And, you know, all the... All the regular questions you would ask mm-hmm. in that case. She said she did understand that the letter was evidence. And even if she couldn't touch it, could she please just read it? She just wanted to know what it said. Especially mm-hmm. if it was from her sister. And the police told her that they can't find it. And it must have been lost. 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 How do you lose evidence? Well, they say, I think the excuse is... Oh, well, it was back then. There were no computers. So where is it? And where the hell are the files? Or mask? Where, where are these files? Gone. Apparently, they're gone. Right? Okay. And then in the docuseries, the dude's like, there's another woman in the room. Her name's Robin. I don't know who she is. Mm-hmm. But she's like, we don't have the letter and the investigator's like what and she's like yeah and he's like do we have any evidence from the city the city police because they're county Mm -hmm. so two different departments right Mm -hmm. so he literally calls them in this interview Mm -hmm. and he's like we literally have nothing from the city they never sent us any evidence what the fuck do you mean what the heck yeah so anyways we're going to go back to Jean. 
Jane Jane Doe. So now in this time in the docu series later on, she has more confidence in meeting other people now that Gemma and Abby have started this grassroots movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had Gemma and Abby put a statement on the Facebook page for her to address everyone on the page, things like that. And oh my God, Jane Doe and Jane Rowe. Jean and Teresa meet in this documentary, bro. Really? It brought it brought me to tears, bro. And another student, Donna, also came along with them. But, like, mm-hmm. I was about to cry. Aww. They're just sitting there talking about different things. And, like, ah, it, it damn near brought me to tears for real. Oh, yeah, I'm I not bet. even joking. I cried during this documentary a couple times. Just, like, a few tears, whatever. Because it's just like, what? I'm going to have to watch it. So, there were a lot of stories about government slash police cover-ups helping Maskell. Mm-hmm. So Abby said she was now being told that the documents that should be there and should have been filed do not exist. Hmm. So the documents about Maskell gone. Nothing. They don't exist. Nothing. They don't exist. They, do they ever exist? So no. She writ. She wrote. As uh, she writ. She writ. <laughs> she wrote letters to the police department and the FBI. She was trying to get the documents from the police about Father Maskell because you can get some documents if they're public record. Mm-hmm. So Beverly Wallace, which is Jane Doe's lawyer, said all of her notes that she took interviewing those 40 to 50 women that were abused were turned over to the police. And now they are nowhere to be found. What? <laughs> yeah. All of the evidence from the interviews just gone. Yep. So, Abby wrote a letter to the Sexual Abuse Division, and they said they, quote, did not have any files for Joseph Maskell. So, did they just did they just throw everything out the door? And the homicide section does not have any files for Joseph Maskell as well. So, did they ever even, even consider though, him? Even though that he was interviewed for Kathy Sesnick's murder, they do not have any files on that. So, they don't have even the interviews? Nothing. There's nothing. Nothing. Also, all the documents that were dug up from the cemetery, remember those? Mm-hmm. They were stored in a basement that was flooded, and they were destroyed and disposed of. How convenient. Yeah. How convenient that yeah. every shred of evidence that this guy did these things mm-hmm. is just, poof, yep. gone. Now you understand my pain while I'm researching this. How fucking convenient. Abby said she searched the Baltimore City Court archives and found no priests were charged with abuse in this time either. Like, around the same time as Maskell, there were no other priests that were charged, right? Mm-hmm. But there was a list of over 50-plus names of abusers, and they were either dismissed by the statute of limitations or settled with a cash settlement by the church. So they're literally covering up everything that was going on in, in, in this... Yep. Yep. And so yep. not only on Maskell. Well, they were getting off by the statute of limitations, because these people wouldn't come out till later on in life. How were they supposed to? Or they were getting a cash settlement. They're like, here, they're trying to pay people off. Just shut your mouth about it and we'll give you some money. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That leads me to believe that remember when the archdiocese was asking Jean for the other names of the other girls. Mm-hmm. It leads me to believe that they only wanted to interview them to offer money or something else. Because they offered Charles a boat, remember? Mm. And said, what do you want? A boat. Well, he didn't say a boat. They were like, do you want a boat? Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. He said, but, do you want a boat? Yeah. It leads me to believe that they only wanted the names of those other girls. So they can pay them off. Yes. To get them to shut up yep. about it. Yup. 
Why what the why fuck? They? Why? Why? All right. So where are the files on Maskell? We do Gone. not know. So now we're going to talk about Joyce Malecki and give her a little bit of the spotlight. So no link between the murders has ever been established between FBI and police. Joyce often walked by the rectory where Maskell lived and she lived two blocks away. Mm-hmm. Father Maskell sent Joyce's mother a sympathy card after her funeral. Hmm. Um, but she was going to mass and confession with Maskell. So the FBI had jurisdiction over Joyce's death initially since she was found at a military base. Mm-hmm. The FBI told Tom Nugent, the journalist, that they believed it didn't have anything to do with the military or government, so they didn't do an investigation. And they handed the investigation over to Anne Arundel Community. County. Or county, sorry. So Anne Arundel County Police said, quote, The FBI never handed anything to us. We have no records, no case. We never investigated anything, end quote. For Joyce Malecki. Yep. And the FBI said they did. No. The FBI said they handed it over to the county. The county said that they never handed anything to them, and the case has not been investigated by them. So who's lying about it? Don't know. If the FBI said they handed it to the county, Mm -hmm. and the county is saying they never got nothing from the FBI. The real question is, did anybody even investigate her mother, her murder, her mother? (laughs) Sorry, that's not funny. Did anybody ever investigate her murder at all? Was it ever investigated? It doesn't sound like it. Why would you not investigate it? one year, cold, or once a year, cold cases are supposed to be reviewed. Mm -hmm. So where the fuck, what? And it's been how many years? And nothing has been. It's 2022. Nothing. That was 1969. And they don't have any other evidence. Wait, why hasn't anything been done? Don't know. So, Abby filed a Freedom Act of Information, which is how you get public records from police, mm-hmm. government, FBI, with the FBI, and they confirmed they had 4,000 pages of documents on Joyce Malecki. The FBI did? Yep. And they said it's been awaiting an assignment for someone to review over all the pages. She sent that on September 5th of 2014, Okay. She wrote them a letter every four to six weeks saying, could you please update me in terms of anticipated delivery of the documents? And there isn't a law on how long they have to send the documents either. They'll just send it when they get to it. She was supposed to have the documents by April 2016, and she filed the original quest in August 2014, and she's never got the damn documents ever. In the do- in the docuseries, it says she never got the documents. This, how many did you say? 4,000 pages of documents? Mm-hmm. That no one has reviewed. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And they're supposed to send it, and they never did. Yeah. I thought the FBI was supposed to be, like, the best. I don't know. With everything. So there was supposed fingerprint evidence in the car, and underneath Joyce's nails, there was evidence. Mm-hmm. They didn't run fingerprints or use the evidence that was found under her nails. And the reasons, this is what they told her brother, budget and manpower. That was their reasons. Somebody was murdered. Yeah. And you're going to make up excuses like budget and manpower mm-hmm. to why you're not figuring out who killed this person. Mm-hmm. Joyce's parents have passed away. And once her brothers passed away, 
who will fight for her. Probably nobody. And they feel like her sister their sister has like been abandoned like they, nobody's investigated nobody's done anything the fbi is not doing anything with this paperwork and now we're going to go into something else so over the last 12 years a bill a bill to extend the statute of limitations for child sex abuse claims has been proposed six times in the maryland general assembly and this is what prevented jane roe and jane doe mm-hmm. from getting their case to trial it's because it had already been so many years yep each time it's failed. Every time. So, in the docu-series, all these survivors come to tell the council about their experiences. And, dude, I was tearing up and shit because, oh my god, mm-hmm. it was so fucking sad. I bet. So, Kevin Murphy, which is one of the lawyers from the case in 1994 that represented the archdiocese. hmm was asked to testify by the Catholic Church. He was against extending the statute of limitations. And you know why? You know why? He said, quote, It protects the alleged abuser for more years and gives them more years to abuse. End quote. What the hell? Yeah, that's what he fucking said. What the fuck? Why would you want to protect so basically, alleged abuser? That's basically, stupid. he was saying that these victims need to be pressured to come forward, or they're never going to say anything. Yes, Kirsten is blinking lots of times right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> because like it shocked. is so fucking stupid. I'm yeah, like you, stunned. That's I'm why speechless. I said I've been yelling at the fucking TV while watching this. <sighs> Hold on, time out. My mom texted me. She asked me a question. Do you think I could make a pizza in the air fryer? Because our, our oven is currently broke. Oh. Uh, probably not. Do you need to borrow our toaster oven? No, it's okay. We don't use it very often. Okay. Well, she could make like half the pizza. <laughs> she can make like two slices at a time. You know how long that would take? So? It takes like 10 minutes for a pizza to cook in the air fryer. But like, if she really wants pizza that bad, I'm just she saying. She said I may just make mac and cheese. Okay. Okay. Continue. continue. So, so basically he was saying if the victims don't step up by the age of 25, it's their fault. That's pretty much what I got from it. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion, by the way, people. But I mean, okay, what happens if... You are sexually assaulted after you're 25. If three the statute years, of I limitations think. is 25 years old. I think it was three because years. Because you can still be sexually assaulted. Well, yeah. Even when you're 50. Mm-hmm. You I know think what I it's mean? three years. Okay. Um, so, and my question to him is, isn't that what abusers say to their victims in the first place? It's your fault? Yeah. So, basically, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. He sounds like a piece of shit. So, Mike Miller, Maryland Senate President, and Joe Valerio, Maryland Judiciary Committee Chair, do not let this come to vote because if they did, it would pass. And you know why? Joe has said that the church told them that the bill cannot pass multiple times. Mm -hmm. And during the docuseries, the bill died in committee again without coming to vote at the time of the docuseries because of those two. Those, the Mike Miller and Joe Valerio. Yep. So, about a dozen 
of victims of Joseph Maskell have received settlements from the Archdiocese. Sorry, I had to fix my mic. Like to keep them quiet. Just to receive settlements. They're trying to make it look like they're doing something. But oh, they're not. like trying to help them. Um, so, in November 2016, Jean entered mediation with the Archdiocese, which is just like a meeting. Mm-hmm. And because mediations are not official court proceedings, they occur behind closed doors. So, it's like trying to get information about Maskell. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just like, it's just like a big meeting, potentially. But not an official meeting. No. Um, Jean basically told them that they had the opportunity to do the right thing, and they didn't. And instead, like, all the survivors feel alone, and, like, nothing's ever been done about it. Mm-hmm. And I think the Archdiocese is trying to play hero when they're not. The Archdiocese is... Yeah. Gross. So Jean and 11 other survivors received settlements from the Archdiocese ranging from 25000 and 50000 in addition to funds for two to three years of continued counseling. Jean accepted the settlement but declined the counseling fund because she did not want further involvement with the Archdiocese of Baltimore. I wouldn't either. When they sent out the letters, the archdiocese replied saying they hoped any information... Oh, this is crazy, okay? So this is another... Sorry. This is another that thing that led me to believe that they just wanted to pay people off. Because when they sent out letters to the arch... Like those letters um, earlier in the story to all the women mm-hmm. trying to see if they had been abused. Mm-hmm. The archdiocese replied to one of these letters and said they hoped any information they obtained would be given to them and they could handle it. Because they wanted these girls' names because they wanted to pay them off. What the heck? Allegedly. Allegedly. Don't sue me. Allegedly. Oh, and yeah, I said that in the next line. Mm-hmm. So, the Archdiocese of Baltimore denied multiple requests for interviews. Um, They did agree to provide written a- answers to questions, though. And the interviewers from the docuseries gave these written questions. The first one. Was Jane Doe the first person to come forward with allegations of abuse against Father Maskell? They replied, yes. Files do not reflect any files before she came out about the abuse of Maskell. But that is wrong. That's wrong, remember? Oh, yeah. Charles's mother confronted them in 1967. Uh-huh. So it's wrong. So that was two years before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two. How and when did the Archdiocese first hear of allegations of abuse against Father Maskell? Their answer? She answered a number one. But that was a lie. Yep. So that's two lies. Number three. Were any disciplinarian interventions made against Father Maskell prior to 1992? Answer? No. Of course not. Also, Francis Malouli, that dude that tried to pay off Charles, mm-hmm. he's now the Bishop of Williamton, Delaware. He confirmed the meeting with Charles France, which is Charles' last name, but stated that he only offered counseling and spiritual assistance. And a boat. Obviously a boat. Um, so Archdiocese refused repeated requests to make public the internal files on Father Maskell, probably because they already burned them. Mm-hmm. Um, Keogh closed their doors. It's no longer a school. No longer a school. So... 47 years after the murder, case is still unsolved. Hmm. Actually, that's what they said in the documentary. So, you know what? It might actually be more than that. What was that? 1969? Mm-hmm. 79, 89, 99? 2009. 
19, 20, 21, 22. So it's actually 53 years. 53 years and it's yep. still unsolved. And Abby and Gemma are still working hard to try and investigate her murder along with many others on the Facebook page. But if all of the evidence was lost, all of everything on Father Maskell is just poof, gone, nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And he's dead. And half the people that were involved in this story is dead. Mm-hmm. It probably won't ever be solved. Which sucks. I like to be positive. <laughs> so, here's some things that have happened after the docu-series. What's, what's going on now? Okay. Maskell's DNA was tested against DNA found near the crime scene. Okay. In February, Father Joseph Maskell's body was exhumed. His remains were tested by a forensic lab, and his DNA did not match a sample that was taken from the Sesnick crime scene. For now, we've pretty well reached the end of the road when it comes to forensic evidence, says a spokesperson for the Baltimore County Police Department. Our best hope for solving this case at this point lies with the people who are still alive, and we hope that someone will be able to come forward with conclusive information about the murder. Maryland's statute of limitations on sex abuse reports has been extended. In April, C.T. Wilson, the delegate who was featured in the Keepers, was finally able to pass his bill. Beginning on July 1st, survivors of sexual abuse will have till the age of 38 to sue their abusers. Which, that's, that's I don't know why time. there's a statute of limitations in the first place. There really shouldn't be. They really shouldn't be. So that initial page for the justice for Catherine Sesnick and Joyce Malecki has been shut down. The Facebook group run by Gemma Hoskins and Abby Schwab was shut down a few days after the release of The Keepers. While there were under a thousand people before the series aired, membership exploded. It was necessary to close the page temporarily due to their traffic jam and a technical glitch, Gemma said in an email to the Baltimore Sun. Netflix and Facebook are working to resolve the issues. There is a new page that everyone is welcome to join. The Keeper's official group, Justice for Catherine Sesnick and Joyce Malecki. Hoskins is monitoring Hoskins is monitoring the new group and attempting to read any pertinent information that is posted. Which Hoskins is Gemma. Mm-hmm. The police or the Baltimore Police Department has created a form to report information. As of May 23rd, the Baltimore City Police Department has created an easy way for citizens to report any sex offenses related to Father Maskell or any individuals mentioned in the series. As they note in their Facebook posts, the Sex Offense Incident Information Forum is strictly for reporting sex crimes since the murder investigations are being handled by the Baltimore County Police Department. So... The Archdiocese of Baltimore has posted a fact about the Keepers, like Sack. on their page. FAQ. Yeah. While Father Maskell is objectively the villain, the villain of the Keepers, the Archdiocese is painted in a pretty terrible light. In response to claims of a cover-up, they have set up a frequently asked questions page on their official website. Sorry, this makes me laugh. Yeah. In it, the Archdiocese says that it immediately reports all allegations to civil authorities. Oh. They give their version of the events and claim that the suggestion that the Archdiocese knew about the sexual abuse allegations prior to 1992 is, quote, speculation and it is false. Oh. The Archdiocese also denies that they ever interfered with investigations and actually encouraged anyone with information to report it to civil authorities. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing through this whole thing because it's just... Allegedly, it's BS. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> such a legend BS. <laughs> okay. So, the local police are referring anyone with information to the FBI. The Anne Arundel County Police Department has received a number of calls about Joyce Malecki's murder, and they are requesting that people report information to the FBI. As noted on the show, Malecki's body was discovered on the grounds of Fort George G. Meade, which makes this a federal case. The correct contact is FBI Public Affairs Specialist Dave Fitz, who can be reached at david.fitz at ic.fbi.gov or by calling 410-277-6689. Okay. So if you have any information about Joyce Malecki's murder, that's the way to get in contact. So, a petition has been started for the Archdiocese to release their official files on Father Maskell. Just like the online petition that popped up after Making a Murderer aired, a Change.org petition has been started to try and get to the bottom of Sister Kathy's murder. The petition asks the Baltimore Archdiocese to release whatever files they have on Father Maskell and currently has more than 12,000 signatures. Let's see how many signatures it has right now. Holy shit. 78,083 people have signed this petition. Dang. How many How many do they need? At 150,000 signatures, this petition becomes one of the top signed on change.org. I don't know how many they Go sign it. Okay. Let's see. The original request. The Archdiocese of Baltimore holds documents regarding sexual abuse claims against Joseph Maskell. The release of these documents will restore public trust in the Archdiocese and confirm the Archdiocese statements regarding their handling of the sexual abuse claims. This petition requests that, oh, is this the same thing? Oh, no. This petition requests that the Archdiocese of Baltimore release their files regarding Joseph Maskell, who is now deceased, in an effort to thoroughly investigate all avenues that may have led to the murder of Kathy Sesnick in 1969. And there is an update on the page. As the Archdiocese of Baltimore will not be responding to the request of tens of thousands of people, this petition now requests that Baltimore Attorney General Brian Frosch convene a grand jury to investigate the Archdiocese of Baltimore. This request comes in light of the recent grand jury report from Pennsylvania, which detailed the alleged abuse of more than a thousand children by hundreds of priests in six Pennsylvania dioceses. Dioceses? Dioceses. Dioceses? Oh, yeah. You're right. Please share this petition and email Brian Frosch at oag at oag.state.md.us. Hmm. I'm going to sign it. She said, I'm going to sign it right here, right now. I'll sign it in a minute after we get done. <laughs> okay. So, it's at 78,000 signatures, not 12,000. It's still a lot. And that's it. Yeah. That's all we got. That was a long one. I'm pissed. I'm yeah. shitty. It's bullshit. It is bullshit. Nobody's been held accountable. Nothing. Especially nobody knows what happens. What happened to Joyce Malecki. Nobody yep. acts like they want to find out. Right. It's all bullshit. They've got yeah. all these documents just sitting there. Nobody wants to look at them. Waiting yep. for somebody to review them. We'll find somebody to review them. Right. And get it over with. It's crazy. It's all bullshit. It is bullshit. It, uh upsets me and i feel like that people just are like oh that just adds to the reason that a lot of these cases don't even get reported because of things like this you know people claim that they don't believe people nobody takes anybody seriously yeah it's really annoying honestly it is quite annoying and it's really fucking it's frustrating as hell i think it's very convenient that all of his all of his evidence just 
disappeared. In his files. Yeah. That. That's it's what bullshit. happens when you have power, I guess. Well, yeah. Catholic power. Yeah. Annoying. Very annoying, Pissed actually. Off. Well. That was an interesting story. I'm sorry, guys, to piss you off and leave you on that note, but. It's unsolved. Yep. It's unsolved. Kathy's murder is still unsolved. And if you want to join the Facebook page and maybe try to help, go ahead. I'll link it in the in the show notes. I think Ed and Brother Bob are what's what was that guy's name? I think Billy is Brother Billy, Bob uh-huh. and Ed is Skippy. Yes, Skippy. But I'm not really sure. That's all alleged, by the way. That's that's so. just what that's my opinion. That's what I think. I think they killed Sister Kathy. Yeah, it's crazy, but yeah. Because they both had blood, blood on. on their shirts. And they had similar stories. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's all I got for you guys today. Sorry to piss you off. And yeah, that's it. That's all we got. Go watch The Keepers. Yeah, go watch The Keepers. It was a great documentary. I got a lot of information on it. So it was really good. I got my information from a few other places as well. And I will be linking that in the show notes. So. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, join us next time. What is that? Next time, Wednesday will next be the next Wednesday. episode released for Kirsten. Yep. Not sure what she's doing yet, but we'll figure it out. I don't even know. All right. I'll Thanks see for listening, you guys. Then see ya. Bye.